1: All right, if you turn now to Genesis 33, we'll just uh, go back to our familiar word of God. Genesis 33, verse one. Let me pray before we start. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that, Lord, you don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, forever. And now, Lord, we come to you to learn more about our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis one. okay, Jacob lifted up his eyes, looked, behold, Esau came with him 400 men. He divided the children unto Leah, Rachel, two handmaids. He put the handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after, Rachel and Joseph hindermost. He passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, fell on his neck, kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children and said, "'Who are those with thee?' And he said, "'The children which God hath graciously given thy servant.' Then the handmaidens came near, they and their children, they bowed themselves. Lay also with her children came near, bowed themselves. After came Joseph near, Rachel, they bowed themselves. And he said, "'What meanest thou by all this drove which I met?' And he said, "'These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord.' And Esau said, "'I have enough, my brother.' keep that thou hast unto thyself. Jacob said, nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand, for therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God, and thou wast pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt gracious with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. All right, now, Esau has seen Jacob's family. We saw that last week. And Esau now has a question in verse eight, and this is where we wanna focus on this morning because it's this response, the back and forth between Jacob and Esau, which is so interesting for us when he says, what meanest thou by this drove which I met? So Esau, he's already asked him about his family, about Jacob's family. Esau's heard that Jacob gave a very unusual response, which we'll cover later, to all those people who they were, as Jacob describing, really describing in his response, you know, these are the ones that God graciously gave me. He's telling Esau about his relationship with God. And I mean, Jacob has clearly told Esau that he didn't deserve those children that God gave to him, but God gave him this, his children because of his grace. And with that answer... Jacob has told Esau that he's a recipient of God's grace, and his life now, the way he's talking now is very different. He's saying, my life is all occupied with God. That's what he's saying to him. And so Esau turns his attention from the family now, Esau, to the animals, and he calls it this drove in verse 8, and he questions them about the animals, and he says, you know, what meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And then Jacob responds, This is to find grace in the sight of my Lord. So Esau now wants to know the meaning of all this drove of animals. I mean, it was, we saw this was over 500 animals. It's a huge number. And Jacob put that present together, as you remember, to save his life. And so you can be sure that, you know, Jacob didn't sit back and say, Well, let's see now. How much should I give? You know, <laughs> I'll, give a, I'll tip him. I'll give him a small part, you know. No, no. Jacob was likely giving to Esau the majority of the animals that he had because he's trying to save his life out of this. And so Esau has already seen this you know, large family. That was unusual to him that Jacob has. And, and now he's seen this large herd of animals. And so these twin brothers have been separated for 20 years, and now they're coming back, and he's got questions. There's a lot of questions, you know. The, and these questions of what's happened. To, you know, there's a lot of competition in Jewish families, you know, for Jewish mothers, their children, all their children are, of course, they're all above average. That, that just goes without saying, you know. <laughs> I asked a friend one time who had a company in Israel, you know, because I was thinking about it, and I says, you know, well, what's it like to have employees in Israel? He says, what it's like to have employees in Israel? He says, he says well, it's like this. They all think they're geniuses. <laughs> so, in a fa- and that comes from the family, you know. So in a Jewish family, the first question is, so what does he do, you know? And, you know, what? in other words, what has he accomplished in life? What has he got? Especially between brothers, we can look at these meeting of Esau and Jacob as two brothers, and they're really entering into kind of a ring of competition here where the brothers are learning about the levels that they've attained and, you know, how much they've gotten, their wealth and so forth. You know, it's a time for, you know, I have. Oh, yeah, well, I have. Oh, yeah, well, I have, you know. <laughs> it's like the song, you know, Harvey and Sheila. It goes the tune of Haba you know, so, Harvey and Sheila, Harvey and Sheila, Harvey and Sheila. No one will forget Harvey's a CPA. He works for IBM. He got his MIT and got his PhD. Oh, that Harvey's really smart. He used his noodle. Sheila got a white French poodle. They went to Europe on a visa. Harvey's rich. They say that he's a VIP. This could only be in the USA. Anyway, you have to, sorry about that. That was, <laughs> okay, it's Alan Sherman. So anyway, all right, I'm serious. In verse eight, he gives this, he goes on, he gives this gift to Esau. And how does Esau respond to the offer from Jacob? What's his response? He said, keep it, he refuses it, keep it. And what does he say for why he wants him to keep it? I got enough. I have enough, he says. So then Esau's now urging Jacob, you, you keep all these animals for yourself. But Jacob doesn't accept that. He doesn't accept that Esau's refusing the gift. It says there in verse 10, no, it's really a lot of arguments are coming. No, I pray thee, if now I find grace in thy sight, thou receive my present in my hand, for therefore, therefore I have seen the face of God, I've seen your face as though I've seen the face of God. You were pleased with me. Okay. So Jacob says he will only know that Esau is not angry with him anymore if he takes the gift of the animals from Jacob. So Jacob now goes on to tell Esau that when Jacob saw Esau's face, it was as though he had seen the face of God because Esau was pleased with him, just like Jacob found that God was pleased with him. So now at this point, we have to wonder what's Esau thinking when his brother has just said to him, you know, when I look in your face, I see the face of God, and you're not angry with me. Esau's kind of wondering, you know, what's going on? But this was the beauty of the innocence of Jacob because he's being very open with Esau, very open. And Jacob says to Esau, look, I look at your face. I see the face of God, and he's understanding, you know, and Esau's sitting there, he's thinking about his brother, Jacob and he's understanding that my brother's changed. He's not the same as what he was when he left here. He never talked about God personally like that before. I mean, Esau's thinking that something has really changed with my brother. All he talks about is God giving him these children graciously and now he sees God in my face and and you know, while they're growing up, neither Esau nor Jacob talked about God, especially neither of them talked about God in any kind of personal terms like this. But now Esau, he sees Jacob has become uh, occupied with God. God's on his mind. That's all Jacob talks about is God. And Jacob is excited to talk about God. And how often this happens in a family when someone in the family gets saved and they're so excited about God that all the family now hears about is God. And that's the change that the family sees that marks out for them That's what a believer is. A believer has God in all his thoughts, in all his talk. Everything is God, 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 and then more God. Now, we see Jacob is not willing for Esau to not take the present. So he goes on further to say in verse 11, take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt gracious with me because I have enough. And he urged him and he took it. Okay, so Jacob says, take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee. You know it really becomes when you stand back and we look at this this back and forth here it's getting a little dangerous and you know, it's like an argument starting between Esau and Jacob over the present, you know. I mean, it, there's just been this wonderful reconciliation between Esau and Jacob. I mean, it was complete. There was the running to meet each other. There was the embracing each other. There was the falling on each other's necks. There was all this crying. And the reconciliation was wonderful. And it's beautiful. It's complete. And so the first topic that comes up that they're discussing now is about whether Esau should accept Jacob's gift. So really from verses eight through 11, this is this argument is escalating to the point where we're afraid now there's gonna be a blow up already. It's such a short lived friendship. (laughs) It's getting pretty strong. It's getting pretty strong over this whole issue of Esau, whether or not he's gonna take the gift And Jacob just pushing Esau pretty hard to take the gift and Esau's pushing back pretty hard to not take the gift. And we're at the point we wanna say, Jacob, Jacob, don't push your luck here. You know, I mean, if he doesn't want to take the gift, just back off. I mean, remember, look at those 400 armed men there. You know, (laughs) this is getting a little tense right now. It's a little too, you know, but Jacob doesn't listen. So he keeps giving Esau one argument after another. He's really getting, you know, excited here at why Esau should take the gift. And now Jacob says to Esau that he should take the gift because in verse 11, God has dealt gracious with me. Graciously with me. So grace is getting what we don't deserve and as opposed to mercy, not getting what we do deserve. And so he uses the word grace to describe God giving the animals. And so again, just like Jacob told Esau he didn't deserve the children, he's telling he didn't deserve the animals using the same language to describe the animals with the family. So Jacob really feels he's on a roll here and he cannot, he can't be stopped from pushing Esau to take the gift, and in the end, he, he does succeed, we see that at the end of verse 11, and he urged him and he took it. But just before that, Jacob gives Esau one more argument for why he should take the gift, and it's found there, and you, you know it's very easy to miss it. But in verse 11, he says, "Because, what did he say? God. That's one because. Another because is, "I have enough." okay? Now, isn't that the same thing that Jacob just heard from Esau? That's the same thing that that Esau just said, I have enough. So in verse 9, Esau said, I have enough. And then in verse 11, Jacob says, I have enough. So on the surface, this argument is like absurd, You know, it's like, you know, one person says, I have enough. says, No, I have enough, you know. (laughs) No, I have enough, you know, I have enough, you know. It just looks strange. It almost looks like lunacy. Why would Jacob say the same thing back to Esau like that? Silly. It looks like both Jacob and Esau are saying the same thing, you know, enough. But see, now here is where there's so much to be seen. Peel back the English translation off of this and see what's actually being said in the Hebrew. In the English, it looks like they're both saying the same thing. I have enough, I have enough. But they're not. And they're not using the same word. And the words are important here. Esau is using one word. And Jacob is using a totally different word. And the words that they're using gives us tremendous insight into what each one is saying. Here's what Esau said. Esau said, "Li Rav. Okay, Lee, I have Rav, I have Rav. Well, what's Rav? Rav is an interesting word. It means big. It means large amount. It means large quantity. See, that's Rav. I have a large quantity. Translated, I have enough. Okay. I wouldn't have translated I have enough, but they never asked me. So, you know, what can I do? (laughs) But Jacob, he didn't say that. He said, Lee, I have. He didn't say Rav. He said, Lee, Cole. Lee, Cole. Now, kol is a different word from rav. And what it means, kol means all. You know, if you say, you know, kol Yisrael, all of Israel, it means all, everything, in other words. And that's translated as I have enough. So when you look at verse nine, and you see that Esau is saying, I have a large quantity. And then you see in verse 11, Jacob says, I have everything. (laughs) It's like, ooh. And this is where it gets interesting. Because then we ask the question, what did Esau mean in verse nine when he said, I have a large quantity? And especially, more interesting is, what did Jacob mean in verse 11 when he said, I have all? Because the answer to these questions about the difference between what they each said, we probe this thing through, we drill this thing down, we're gonna discover the answer to man's greatest questions, which are, what is real life anyway? What is true satisfaction in life? Where do I find peace? What do I need to get peace in life? Those are the most important questions. So when Esau did not say, I have all, but instead he said, I have a large quantity, he's actually saying he doesn't have enough because he's really saying I have a large quantity, but it's, you know when, when how, how much for an ambitious person is enough? Not yet is the answer. Always want more. And in this sense, Esau represents the man of the world who is ever trying to get more and more and more. You know, I say I'm worth $10 billion, just I'm not gonna give you my tax returns. So, <laughs> so what Esau said doesn't really surprise us, but what's what Jacob said that astounds us when he said, I have all. It really surprises us. I mean, Esau, he looks at himself, you see, he's got all this wealth, he's, he's got four hundred four hundred men. you know he looks at Jacob, and what he's got he's got you know he's got a family of boys all less than thirteen years old, and he's giving up most of his animals, and so listen to Jacob he says, "I because I have all, I have everything." <laughs> and he must have wondered, you know what happened to my brother? why do you say that? you have all. So when Esau thought about what Jacob meant by saying that he had all, Esau could have thought. He's gotta be talking about God. All Jacob talks about now is God. So he must mean that with God, he has all. And that's exactly what Jacob did mean. He says, I have all. You know, it's like Paul, he says in 1 Timothy 6, 8, and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. How can a person be content with just food and clothing? Be content with no car? You know, be content with no house? Be content with no retirement? Enough to support me till I die? How can a person be content with just food and clothing? Well, two verses earlier to that, in 1 Timothy 6, 6, Paul said, with godliness, godliness with contentment, that's great gain. See, Jacob had God, therefore, Jacob had all. And what is that that Jacob had in God that made him say that he had all? What is that makes us say that because we have God, we have everything? And the apostle Paul said it exactly the same words as Jacob. You know, Jacob said, I have all. And that's what Paul said in Philippians 4.18, when Paul said, but I have all, and abound, and I'm full. And how could Paul, who had nothing, relatively speaking, was being persecuted, being beaten, sometimes left for dead, how could he say that he had everything, was full? And he said in Philippians 4.11, a few verses earlier, but not that I speak in respect of want, but I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. See, Paul, he learned that with God, he had everything. And the other things that people think are so important to be complete, to be fulfilled in life, they're not really important. See, and so we step back and we say, how is it that we know that we have all as Christians? You know what it is? It's the I am verses in John, in the book of John. It's the I am verses that gives us the basis for saying that with God, we have all. You know, normally when a person says, you know, emphasizes something, themselves, when normally when a person says, I am, you're gonna expect like, okay, here we're gonna hear all about himself, you know? He's gonna impress others with himself, you know? He's gonna, I am, he's gonna benefit, him. I am the great king, he's gonna benefit himself, see? That's what's normally, normally when a person says, I am, it's to benefit himself by bragging, but that's not the case with the Lord Jesus. Have you ever thought, about how each one of the Lord's famous I am verses in the book of John all benefit us. They all benefit you and me. See, you take the first one. In John 6, 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. That's the first one. There's seven of them. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth me shall never thirst. See, so when he says I am the bread of life, that was to benefit us so that we never in life will have soul hunger. And then the second one in John 8, 12, John 8, 12, he's, he's, he then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So when he said, I am the light of the world, that was to benefit us to never have to walk in spiritual darkness. And then the third one, he said, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. See, when he said, I am the good shepherd, that was to benefit us, to never be without a sacrifice, to pay for our sins, to purchase our redemption. And then the next one, in John eleven twenty-five, 25, one we celebrate today, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. See, when he said those words, I am the resurrection and the life, that was to benefit us to never be in a state of eternal death. I'm the resurrection. Happy Easter. <laughs> <clears throat> then he said the next ones in John fourteen six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. The subject is coming unto the Father. And when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that was to benefit us, to never be without a way to the Father, to never not know the truth about the Father, to never be without the eternal life from the Father. And then in the next one in John fifteen five, when he said, I am the vine, Ye are the branches; he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. See, when he said, "I am the vine," that's for us. That was to benefit us to never be without strength and guidance and fruit bearing in life. But John ten nine, John ten nine, he said, "I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture." See, when he says. I am the door that was to benefit us, and we could really say to be able to say with Jacob, I have all, I have everything. Now turn to it, if you would please, in John chapter 10, John 10:9, 10, but have a look at John 101 through 11 for the context. Okay, John 10:, John 10:1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them. But they understood not what things they were that he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you: See now, keep in mind here that he's got to give an ex- clearer explanation because they didn't get it. So now he's going to say to them more clearly in verse seven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that came after me before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. In verse nine, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. Good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. His promise that we say that Jacob could, is the reason why a person like Jacob could say I have all. In John ten nine, I am the, John 10, nine, I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, he shall go in and out and find pasture. His promise there is two words, two words that give us the basis for saying, I have all that gives him the basis for saying, I have all. The first word is the word saved. Actually, that word saved is just as easily thought of with the word safe, safe, because it's really the thought is protection, the thought is security. The second word is this word pasture, and the pasture really is really the way, abundant pasture abundant pasture. It's the idea of satisfaction. So when we think of the illustration, now we got to think of the illustration to get this. The Lord here, it's very important to understand what he's talking about here. Because, you know, we don't have sheepfolds on Mission Gorge Road. So, you know, we got to know. So it's interesting about the sheepfold. Because the sheepfold, the fact of the matter is, there was no door.
0: Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere.